Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and we are back. And now we're going to talk about protecting our wildlife and why that is so, so important to our culture and our world and our country and our life. My guest is Colin O'Mara. He's the president and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation, which is America's largest wildlife conservation organization. Under Colin O'Mara's leadership, the National Wildlife Federation is focused on the recovering of America's wildlife and improving management and access of public lands, restoring America's water bodies, and advancing wildlife education. And we're going to talk about the importance of the environment, why it's in danger, and what can we do. Welcome, Colin. Thank you for having me on today. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad. I want to read something. This is the mission statement for the National Wildlife Federation, and I'd like to read it because I think it really kind of sets the tone here. It says, we believe America's experience with cherished landscapes and wildlife has helped define and shape our national character and identity for generations. Protecting these natural resources is a cause that has long united Americans from all walks of life and political stripes. To hunters, anglers, hikers, birders, wildlife watchers, boaters, climbers, campers, cyclists, gardeners, farmers, forest stewards, or other outdoor enthusiasts, this conservation ethic represents a sacred duty and an obligation to protect and build on our conservation heritage for the sake of wildlife, ourselves, our neighbors, and most of all, for future generations. So I think that really opens this. Thanks for being on, Colin. Explain to our listeners, and I know this may sound elementary, why is this so important? You know, when we talk about endangered species or plants or wildlife and people, and you read, well, gee, there's only 100 left or there's only 300 left. Why is it so important to protect things that are endangered in our wildlife? Yeah, no, and again, thank you for having me on. Um, you know, I, we've been blessed to live in a country with in, an incredible diversity of wildlife. When you think about the range of species from the manatees and sea turtles in Florida all the way up to the, to the caribou and the musk oxen and polar bears in Alaska and everything in between, um, we've just inherited this incredible um, kind of natural heritage that mm-hmm. is really unrivaled in the entire world. And right now we're living at a time when as many as one-third of all wildlife species could be at risk of extinction in the, in wow. the, coming, in the coming decades. Wow. And it's, you know, and, and you, your listeners have probably heard some of the stories about monarch populations being down 90% compared to 15 years ago or many shorebirds mm-hmm. that are, are struggling right now or mm-hmm. freshwater mm-hmm. mussels or stories about, about frogs or salamanders or different mm-hmm. uh, or, or some, some reptile species. Um, there's a massive challenge we're facing right now, and you know I, I can make the I can, I'm happy to make the moral case for why we have a obligation to conserve species and you know, that that humans should not be you know, kind of eradicating species as as their kind of dominance and kind of dominion over the the world increases. Um, but also I, I make the case that it's in our economic interest. Um, and so as much as I, I like talking about ethics, um, you know if we don't have pollinators like bees and many many of which oh, their populations are struggling right now, I know we don't have agriculture industry. Like one out of every three bites of food that you eat is a pollinated <laughs> pollinated mm-hmm. bite. 
right? I mean, if we don't have things like freshwater mussels that are, are cleaning up you know, toxics and, and, and nutrients out of waterways, we're spending a lot more money on cleaning up water mm-hmm. than you can drink. You know, mm-hmm. if we don't have healthy forests, if we don't have, you know, healthy wetlands, um, these Amazing. are the systems that when we have storms come through, they, they reduce the amount of energy, they hold a lot of water, they make sure that the community, you know, down the street, mm-hmm. down, the, down the hill doesn't get flooded out. And mm-hmm. so we take nature for granted a lot, yep. but without healthy wildlife populations, our health is probably fairly precarious as a species ourselves. So let's ask the question then, why is this happening? I mean, you said 15 years ago, and it's been worse in the last 15 years. Why? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, there's no single answer. I mean, the, the most comprehensive answer is that we've, we've destroyed a lot of habitat across the country mm. um, and, and around the world. I mean, this isn't unique to the U.S. The U.S. has got a different set of challenges than other places. But, you know, we have, we have gotten really good in, in agriculture, for example, of killing every single living organism that isn't the crop that we're trying to grow. You know, the days of the corner patches and the buffer strips and things like that, where you had native plants like milkweed, for example. Is that from pesticides? I mean, what's the reason for that? Some some is pesticides. Some is just the, you know, the the technology has gotten so much better. You know, we're able to, you know, cultivate more areas now because of bigger equipment. And, you know, but pesticides are absolutely a part of it in the way we spray for things. Um, And also, you know, we've actually built in some more defenses into into our seeds. Um, You know, and some of the some of the kind of genetic changes that we've made to some seeds and the ability to some kinds add additional chemicals um, in some cases to, you know, not have a certain kind of, you know, pest. Something seen as a pest, but it also often has unintended consequences on other species. Um, so that's just one example where, you know, we've, we've, we've destroyed a lot of habitat by clearing for agriculture, for housing development, for road development, for energy development. Um, but we also have a range of other challenges. I mean, we're seeing more invasive species um, as, you know, the, the economy becomes more global. We're seeing more uh, diseases affecting wildlife coming from other places. You know, we're seeing more extreme weather um, as a result of climate distorting systems and leading to more erosion affecting, you know, coastal systems or, you know, kind of flooding wetlands. Um, you're seeing more forest fires in the Northwest than any time in, in our history. And so you have a lot of these different threats, um, but at the end of the day, I'm still optimistic because I think we can actually, if we can come together as a people, we can actually address these challenges in ways that um, actually leave wildlife better off um, in the years ahead. Mm. So, Colin, what can we do? I mean, sitting here in our homes, maybe not out in (laughs) agriculture, we're, we're we're not out there, many of us. What can, what can we do? Yeah, the so average I have, I have, citizen. So I have three simple prescriptions. Um, and the first one is uh, get kids outside. If we can consent, if we can get more kids outdoors, um, playing outdoors, interacting with wildlife, um, we can kind of rekindle America's love affair with wildlife. I think one of the challenges we face right now as a society is that we're just more, we're more and more indoor creatures um, that are spending more and more time on screens. And, you know, the average kid was spending... 50 hours less um, on screens uh, a couple decades ago than they're spending today, and that's a week, 50 hours a week, um, you know, that they're spending in front of some kind of screen. Now, that's time that we were learning about streams, and we were building forts, and we were, you know, learning about, learning about you know, pollinators in our backyard. And, Kids aren't you know, out as much as they were before because of that. Yet. You know, they have to be watched more. Yeah, there's a, there's a there's a massive decline in the amount of unstructured outdoor play. Right. So where you know right. our parents might have just sent us outside for the day and, exactly. and we would you know go out and come back when the dinner bell rang. You now have these kind of helicopter parents that are often um, that are often 
um, you know, kind of present all the time. Every minute is scheduled. Kids are going from karate to ballet to foreign language class to tutoring to, you know, soccer practice. Um, and so even though they might be outdoors a little bit, it's not really outdoors in nature. Um, and so one of the things that we promote a lot is that getting kids outside is actually a great way to raise awareness of the needs mm. for additional investment or additional mm. restoration work. So that, that's the mm. first one. Um, okay. The that's second one is that there's a lot that each of us can do in our own backyard. You know, sometimes the challenges seem daunting at a macro scale, but every one of us has a, a, plot, a plot of land, you know, somewhere, whether it's a windowsill or it's a backyard or it's a front yard or it's a place we work or where kids go to school or a place we pray or a place that, um, you know, folks are, are learning. And building more native habitat with just native plants that are often beautiful, that require less maintenance most of the time because they're actually indigenous to the area, um, that little act can do unbelievable amounts of good for pollinator populations, for songbird populations, for all those, especially smaller species that just depend on healthy habitat that serve as the basis of the bigger ecosystem. Um, and so we have a certified wildlife habitat program at the National Wildlife Federation that more than 220,000 Americans participate in, where they basically... Mm you know, kind of agree to kind of garden for wildlife with wildlife in mind. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of times you're, you're going to spend money anyway, so you might as well spend it on things that have additional benefits. So that's the second one. I think there's a lot we can do as individuals. And then the third is, I think, getting up to speed on the bigger challenges. And, you know, folks want to visit our website at nwf.org for the National Wildlife Federation. Some folks like to engage in advocacy. Some folks like to just be aware of issues and make sure they're having a higher profile. Um, but there's lots of ways to engage on social media, on you know, if they want to write a letter, if they want to, you know, engage in, in different ways. Um, but really just raising the profile because in this current environment where we're you know, often living kind of tweet to tweet um, and, you know, kind of the news of the day is kind of chaotic, these bigger systemic threats that we're seeing to wildlife and to our natural resources get underreported um, because they're not as, you're, you're seeing a lot of little cuts as opposed to like the one big, one big dramatic change, um, even though we did see some pretty impactful storms and fires mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just, you know, becoming more informed and, and, and frankly, you know, great leaders like you can setting aside a few minutes on your yeah. show to yeah. talk about this, you know, let's well, learn more. Very important. All right, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're talking to Colin O'Meara, President and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation about what are the things that we can do to, and to protect our environment. And we'll be right back right after the break right here on voiceamerica.com. This is the Patricia Raskin Show. And you can log on to the website, which is nwf.org, and that stands for nationalwildlifefederation.org. And it's America's oldest and largest conservation organization. And it works across the country to unite Americans from all walks of life in giving wildlife a voice. All right. Stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
What defines your success? Is it success in your business? Success in your personal life? Is it more money? Is it meaningful relationships? How about your passion? Listen for Taking Care of Business with host David Wallach. David's guests share their challenges and what they did to overcome them. What if you can let your passion for success lead you to your success? Taking Care of Business is broadcast live every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where can you learn about EasyWayPromotions.com's social media marketing, brand positioning, and more? Easy Talk Live. Where can you get tuned into celebrities in the business world? Easy Talk Live. Where can you learn about entrepreneurment? Easy Talk Live. Every week, host Eric EZ Zuli and his celebrity friends talk about global causes, offer tips and tricks that you can use right now on social media, and give you the chance to promote your projects on Easy Talk Live. Every Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. are listening to the Patricia Raskin show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin show. Hi everyone, and we are back and we are talking today about preserving our wildlife. My guest is Colin O'Mara, and he's and we're coming back right after the break. He is the president and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation, which is America's largest wildlife conservation organization. Under his leadership, the National Wildlife Federation is focused on recovering America's wildlife and improving management of and access to all public lands and also restoring America's water bodies and advancing wildlife education. And the National Wildlife Organization is America's oldest and largest conversa- conversation, conversation, but also we are having a conversation, but it's about conservation. And they work across the country to unite Americans from all walks of life in getting wildlife a voice. They've been on the front lines of wildlife for many years, since 1936. And they now have a new strategic plan for saving wildlife that are suffering declines across America. And they want to increase America's fish and wildlife populations and enhance their capacity to thrive in our changing worlds. So, and it's set upon sound science and priorities and solutions. Welcome back, Colin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, let's talk about this. Let's talk about what this plan is, that you have a plan that's now set in motion. It's a common agenda for wildlife. Explain what that is. So our goal is to really unite all Americans from every corner of the country and every background and every, every possible kind of difference together for this common cause of trying to increase wildlife populations. And there's um, the strategic plan basically lays out a strategy over the next handful of years that the National Wildlife Federation, in partnership with our great state and territorial affiliates, which kind of make up the full National Wildlife Federation family, as well as thousands of other conservation groups and hopefully millions of other uh, Americans from all across the country, um, trying to come together to do big things for, for wildlife again. And it's really focused mm-hmm. on restoring and connecting and 
and uh, and making habitat more resilient um, on, on lands and waters. Um, there's a big focus on advancing wildlife management and, and dealing with some of these threats I mentioned before around around disease and invasives and climate and just really managing for the full diversity of wildlife. And then the, mm. the third piece is really just connecting Americans with nature and getting more kids outdoors and really kind of building that constituency at a time when kids are spending time on screens and um, more folks are living in cities and off the land. But the idea is that if we do these things and we do it in partnership with folks all across the country, we can accomplish amazing things for, for wildlife and really have this be a turning point in their uh, trajectory. What are some of the things that people can do? I mean, should they, are there bills in place right now that are working on this in terms of the government? Yeah, absolutely. There are, there's, it, it's interesting. I mean, wildlife is one of the few issues in the U.S. Congress right now that is fairly nonpartisan. Um, you know, there might be disagreements around different regulatory approaches, but there really is broad agreement um, that we should be funding proactive collaborative measures. And so when there have been proposals to reduce funding for things like the Great Lakes or wildlife funding or um, funding for you know, parks, um, you know, bipartisan members come together and typically put that money back and often increase it. And so one piece of legislation that we're very excited about right now is something called the Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And it's the Recovering mm. America's Wildlife Act. And it's sponsored by Jeff Fortenberry, who's a congressman from, from Nebraska, with Debbie Dingell, who's a congresswoman from Michigan, and it's a Republican and a Democrat working together. And their goal is to, uh, to invest more than a billion dollars, $1.3 billion every year, mm. into conservation at the state level. And the idea mm. is that by having collaborative, proactive work that brings, party, brings partners together to do great work on the ground, that we can save species in a way that's much more effective than when the species populations decline to the point where it's an emergency and then you have to scramble with heavy regulations and you know other you know kind of emergency room measures. And so the idea that, you know, the old Ben Franklin, you know, line that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, um, this idea that we can do great things in this country when we invest. And the reason I'm confident that we that we will be able to is that we have seen over the last century, over the last not century, eighty years, um, since nineteen thirty seven um, amazing re- recoveries of populations of things like white-tailed deer and and moose in some parts of the country and pronghorn mm. and mule deer and bighorn sheep and you know the bald, the recovery of the bald eagle the recovery of the Florida panther the recovery of the Louisiana uh, black bear the recovery of a lot of sport fish and wild turkeys and and, and uh, all kinds of all kinds of ducks um, we've done a good job investing and when we invest in species and we actually invest in habitat we do a good job recovering most mm. of the focus in this country traditionally has been investing on things that we hunt and fish as opposed to the full mm. diversity of wildlife. And so we want to take this successful model and expand it across all wildlife so we can make sure we have healthy populations from all species, large and small. Mm. So where is that bill and that legislative now? Is it working? I mean, is it happening or is it proposed? So the, the bill's introduced. It's going through the committee process. Um, there's bipartisan mm-hmm. sponsors on both sides. We're still trying to, uh, to, to find additional sponsors on the, the Senate side. Um, everybody likes the idea. Um, I'm not getting pushback. There's folks that like the idea That's of having great. more local effort. There's folks that on the other side that want, you know, like the idea of more proactive effort. Um, you know, it's, it's a time where money is kind of scarce, and they obviously just pass some bills that cost a lot. Um, and so trying to, trying to show how, why, why the investment's worth it. Um, you know, it's always a challenge, but um, and it's one. I mean, at a time when folks can't agree on what color the sky is, um, they can agree that you know we should be trying to save wildlife populations, and that gives me a little bit of hope for our uh, our democracy. Absolutely. What's left to do? What what needs to be done? So for the legislation, I mean, really, it's just having 
folks across the country just let their members know that it's important, that it's a priority. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's House Resolution HR uh, 4647, and not to get too technical, but the mm-hmm. Recovering America's Wildlife Act is the name of it. And, and I think the challenge right now is that there's just a, there's a lot of priorities. And so, you know, trying to move up that priority list um, is important. And I keep saying that we can't really afford to wait. I mean, we're seeing, mm-hmm. I mentioned the monarchs earlier, you know, as that population, you know, continues to decline as habitat is, is fading and there's been some issues with, with chemicals, um, you know, if we don't get on it fairly quickly at a, at a greater pace, we're doing a lot of work, but we need to do a lot more, um, you know, we might, pa- might pass the point of no return. And I think that's where we're trying to inject a sense of urgency that there is a, a bit of a crisis right now that we need to focus on that's as important as many other issues that are equally important. But this is one that we can bring people together to do big things. And how would people go about helping with this? Do they write a letter? Explain that part. Sure. So if, 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 if listeners want to go to our website at nwf.org, there's a lot of information about the effort. Um, there's also a lot on, on social media as well, and we can help connect people with their, with their members. Um, or they can just call the office and say, I, I really hope you'll support and sponsor the uh, Recovering America's Wildlife Act. And that number is 4647. Um, and frankly, the more they hear from folks, the, the more likely it is to kind of move through the process in a, in a good way. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you being on the program. What would be your message for our listeners today? What would you like to leave them with? I think just, you know, as they're driving home, as they're, you know, kind of going between errands or just looking out the window, um, just appreciate the amazing natural resources that we have. I mean, we are, we are blessed to live in such, an, such a resource-rich country, um, but it didn't get this way. It didn't get that way just through... Um, kind of benign neglect. Um, there's been amazing work done by folks, many of whom's names we'll never never know, that have hey, taken all their steps in previous generations to conserve our, our wildlife. We have to do the same now. And so even though life's hectic and we're jumping from our phone to our screen to our car to, you know, the next meeting, um, taking a pause and actually, you know, first of all, acknowledging the, the amazing, amazing bounty we have, but at the same time doing our part to make sure. And that's why the National Wildlife Federation is founded to bring people together regardless of other differences, to do big things for wildlife. I'm absolutely confident we can do that, and it's more needed now than ever before. Thank you so much, Colin. And again, what's the website people can write to? So if you go to www.nwf.org, that's our website, nwf.org, and from there you can get to our Facebook page and our Twitter feed and all the wonderful ways to, uh, to communicate with us. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you. Thank you. All right, stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Like me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Write to me, Patricia at patriciaraskin.com. And I'll put you on my email list, and you can see all the guests I have on different programs and different speaking and things that I'm doing as well. All right, again, have a wonderful week. Right here on voiceamerica.com, it's bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.